Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Ukrainians are saying that they are making some headway on the battlefield, especially here in the battle for the capital for Kiev, uh, Brianna. The Russians, of course, sort of trying to encircle uh, the capital, have been trying to get around it uh, from uh, both the northwest and the northeast. We were on that or near that front line yesterday, and we did see a lot of outgoing Ukrainian uh, artillery, rocket artillery going towards Russian positions. The Russian positions are obviously very exposed right now, especially since they're in pretty uh, open countryside there. Most military experts are describing the situation on the ground as Ukraine as a standoff, a bloody standoff. That's awesome that the Ukrainian military is able to fight the supposedly vaunted Russian military to a standoff. Unfortunately, what's going on in the one town, Mariupol, is expected to fall in days or weeks at the longest. It'd be the biggest city to fall in Ukraine, and it's just being pummeled, and people are getting wiped out left and right, and everything is getting destroyed. I mean, that city is just being leveled to rubble. It's medieval, as I keep saying. It's like something out of the year 800. It's like all those Viking shows that are on Netflix and Disney now, where you see, you know... What is that I see on the horizon and a group of people you didn't even know existed come over the hill and just burn your town to the ground and rape the women and kill the children? Well, that's what's going on right now in Mariupol, and and the world's letting it happen for a variety of reasons that we've discussed, but it's happening. Yeah, and the Russian army is uh, and Russian leadership is intentionally killing, slaughtering as many civilians as possible, including children, to try to bring Ukraine to its knees. It's really something to see. And by the way, that reporter there, and I know we talked about this weeks ago, but in case you don't know, um, he pronounced it Kiev. Just, And I'm not a big guy on how you pronounce things, Lord knows. But Kiev is the Russian pronunciation. Kiev is the way Ukrainians say it. I want to be on the side of the the locals, not Mm. the Russia says it belongs to us. We'll tell them how to pronounce it. I'm I'm on the side of the Ukrainians, so I'm with Kiev. I'm glad you made that point. And there are all sorts of updates we can bring you angles to this that are interesting, some of which we've touched on earlier in the show, uh, some of which we haven't gotten a chance to. But I wanted to address uh, very quickly, oh, first of all, coming up, a Japanese man who earns a handsome living showing up and doing nothing. Which, if that is not my dream career, (laughs) I don't know what is. It's only slightly different from what I do now, really. Hey, do what you do best. Uh, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. if you too are good at doing very little to nothing, uh, stay tuned for this career advice. Uh, so on a more serious note, I mentioned this the other day, but I found some great info on it. I did a little digging. Um, we've received a couple of emails from folks uh, either expressing support for Vladimir Putin and Russia because they're standing up against the, the crazy gender-bending meltdown of societies. Where did you come up with that? Or or uh, we've gotten an email or two from people saying, dudes, I don't know what's going on. I have people in my church who are coming up and saying they're in favor of Putin because he's like making the last stand against the, the crazy, sick, immoral West. Putin is not a Christian. Oh, Lord, no, no, no. He, he may be Satan himself, never mind being a Satanist. But <clears throat> I thought I'd bring this to you because it's a great description of what's going on. It's uh, It starts with a description of Patriarch Kirill of Moscow, who's the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church. He recently described the war in Ukraine as nothing less than an apocalyptic struggle between good and evil. Its outcome, he said, will determine where humanity will end up on which side of God the Savior. 
Some Ukrainians, those whom President Putin claims Russia is liberating with his invasion, according from the Wall Street Journal now, have rejected, quote, the so-called values that are offered today by those who claim world power, said the patriarch of the church. Those values are exemplified by gay pride parades, he said, which serve as an admissions test to enter the club of those countries, meaning the European Union and broadly the West. So the Russian Orthodox Church has taken an active role in forging the ideology that undergirds Putin's geopolitical ambitions. It's a worldview that holds the Kremlin to be the defender of Russia's Christian civilization and therefore Christianity as a whole against the immoral, decadent, perverted West, but so, including Europe. But for those of you who believe that that's true, even if it were true, so Putin gets to murder children in hospitals? To push back on gay marriage? Slaughter them by the thousands? Is that a reasonable way to fight that fight? I can't imagine falling for that line of thinking. But I know it exists. I've, I've heard those people's voices. I've seen the videos. I've read the emails. Um, there is, you know, it reminds me of uh, the distinction between uh, conservatism and fascism. In that conservatism will recognize a problem and and say, we need to, within our principles and the rules and the Constitution, express why these changes are bad and why the older ways of doing things are better or figure out how we can accommodate new ideas um, without compromising our values. Now, fascism, on the other hand, says there are these threats, therefore, because these threats are so serious, nothing else matters. We suspend the Constitution. We suspend individual rights. We kill whoever needs to be killed. We, we torture. We suspend habeas corpus, whatever. It's so important. We are, we are appointed by God or George Washington or the Constitution or whatever to fight this battle. So it's always invoking uh, warlike rhetoric and, and, and making clear that the threat is immediate and existential and therefore justifies anything. So if you buy the Russian Orthodox Church, which is in bed with Putin because they both give each other power, if you, if you agree with the idea that therefore they can do what they're doing to Ukraine, you have thoroughly embraced fascism. And I'm not talking about some Antifa weasel who thinks anybody to the right of Hillary Clinton is a fascist. I'm talking about actual fascism, which is awful. So, I, you know, I hope that helps you understand what's going on with that. It seems crazy to me, but I know it exists. We can't focus on all the horrible stories out of Ukraine. It'd be, you know, hard to listen to. But I saw one. So there's this beautiful mountain village there in Ukraine, what are their mountains there? Um, name has flitted out of my head. It's a it's a name you've heard before. World famous mountains. Urals might or? be. Um, anyway, it's this mountain village that now the Russians are shelling for some reason, and uh, and they're interviewing this mom who started with kind of a you know chuckle, kind of a wry chuckle. I can't believe this ended up crying talking about her kids, but her one little girl asked her, you know, why do they want to kill us? We're just sitting here in our town. That's a hard that's a hard question to answer. I mean, you got to get into the full breadth and depth of human nature. Because you look at that and you think, why would anybody want to kill you? Living in that tiny, it's a town of like 5,000 people or something up in the mountains doing nothing. Mm. And a whole bunch of, you know, the, the Russian government comes on and wants to kill you and your kids in your home. It's hard to wrap your head around. 
Well, it's to restore Ukraine to the Ruski Mir, meaning the Russian world. This might actually be the battle for good and evil. Not in the biblical end time sense, but in where the world is going to be for the next thousand years. If Russia gets over, China takes that as a, well, I guess you can do this sort of thing now. And they start taking stuff and they end up 50, 100 years from now running the planet. Well, then we're the, the, the evil has won because we yeah. will all live under the umbrella of totalitarianism until human beings are able to fight back, which could take thousands of years. This is absolutely a sign of or the opening round of the the open battle between totalitarianism and uh, democracy, representative government. And anybody who sides with the totalitarians out of some twisted view of you don't like transgender this and that, go from us, please, and don't come back or come back when you get some sense. Um, Again, it's the difference between conservatism and fascism. I I proudly embrace conservatism and i will tell you exactly what i think is sick and weird and wrong for society and and delusional and the rest of it but i'm not willing to slaughter children over it maury povich is ending after 30 years joe Mm, it's a real loss what are you going to do when you get home from work now if you can't put on your sweatpants and throw on a little maury and see if that actually is his baby or yes michael Uh, he's 83 years old is that why he's quitting wow He's been doing this since he was 53, then. Yeah. Maripovich. Wasn't he married to, like, Connie Chung or something? That's correct, yeah. I think he still is, isn't he? Ah, Wish those two kids uh, nothing but health and happiness. Were they, was it Jerry Springer or Maury Povich? Maury Povich is the one that's, like, a paternity test, isn't it? Yeah, he's mostly, yeah, that sort of thing. (laughs) And so you have some some woman who's got a kid Hmm. and some, a a number of dudes, in some cases, that she, uh... One or made, more? Made love to. Oh, boy. Um, and then they sure. do a, a test to see who's the dad. Always just... And this is before I was even a father. Now that I'm a father, the idea that you take it that lightheartedly. Yeah! Well, there's probably Whoa, 500 I'm bucks in dad. it. I'm not the dad! I'm not the dad! Yeah! Oh, yeah, dang! What? I'm the dad, damn it! Yeah. Wow. You see touchdown dances and regrets, and then the woman saying, I told you, I told you. And the, re- and the regrets are all financial, not, I guess I'm dedicated for the next 30 years of my life to raising this child in the world. Yeah, speaking of good and evil, ugh, <laughs> yuck. So anyway, the world will be a less happy place without Maury Povich as it finally comes to an end. Um, I wish I was 25 or younger and in Miami right now, because they're winding down uh, spring break there. And it's gotten completely out of hand, and Miami Beach police have said, this has got to end. We've got to end the party. We can't keep doing this. That's how out of control it is. i got some details on that I could hit you with. Among other things on the way, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And finally, according to a new survey, playing video games may actually help you make real-world friends. Apparently, the average video gamer says they've made five new friends. The average gamer has become so close to their online pals, they'd invite them to their wedding. Lifelong friends through online gaming, which explains the big new game on the PS5, Call of Duty, helping Scott move into his new apartment. (laughs) 
Um, uh, if you're into video games, if you're into Fortnite, like my kids are, new Fortnite planet? I forget what the term is, dropped over the weekend. So they do this out of nowhere every now and then where they redo the entire game. So the game that you've really been into disappears and it like takes several hours to download the new world and all of a sudden you got a brand new world with new weapons and new foes and new everything and my kids were very excited about that uh with the Fortnite. so michael was very excited about these poll numbers and i don't blame him the numbers are very exciting i think i may have outlived my usefulness as a talk show host hmm. and then i no longer seem to have the ability to talk about made-up numbers and get the excitement out of them that I used to. Give it up one more try. Come on. Because some of these numbers are extraordinary. Nearly half of gamers believe it is important that their significant others play video games. Eh, I don't doubt that. Um, numbers getting a lot of attention is... Uh, the average American has made five online friends through video games since the pandemic began. Three and four gamers say they would invite... These people to their wedding, blah, 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 blah. That's all pretty interesting and may even be true. Remember, um, uh, Positive Sean made uh, friends, close enough friends through video games. He went and met them in person. Mm -hmm. And I think he ended up going to work for one of them. So, yeah, I don't believe the actually, but it's a commission by World of Warships, a video game conducted by one poll. The study also revealed the video games have helped six in ten people learn more about the real world. Oh, really? This video game that is all about the world that you sell. You did a survey that shows people learn more about the world. Okay. So. No, you're right. No, that's not bitterness or being too tired to do this job. It's pointing out to people what crap is. That's crap. My kids do kind of become friends with people online, which I have to monitor because, as we've all been told, there are predators online. But. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't doubt it. Guys especially bond through doing things together, playing sports, playing games, whatever. Yeah. This party needs to end, Joe, the one in Miami. Spring break time in Miami, and it's been completely out of control, they said. And the police are asking to uh, to wind it down. They've been put in some midnight curfew for Thursday through Sunday, the coming weekend. You're on yeah. spring break, and you got to be back in your hotel room by Thursday night? I mean, by midnight on, on Friday night? Yeah. Well, that, that, I, I, that would suck. Oh, yeah, but I've been following this for the last couple of years. Uh, Miami, Miami Beach, they have no interest in spring break. They they have their tourist thing going on. And what it is is lawless mobs, uh, as the night grows dark, moving through the, the city and getting into all sorts of mayhem and blocking traffic and fights and shootings and, and uh, you know, robberies and diamonds and dashes and stuff like that. They don't want any of it. Doesn't this happen to, it's kind of like uh, uh, cities that host Olympics. You get all excited about it, you build the venues, you invest, and then it comes and it leaves, and you think, that was a mistake. I feel like every city that's become a spring break mecca eventually does the same thing. They try to, you know, we'd love it if spring breakers came here. Think about all the revenue would come in. Then you realize uh, at some point when it reaches some level of critical mass that the amount of destruction and lawlessness and everything like that it becomes a way negative, and you work very hard to get the word out that we are no longer spring break friendly. Do not come here. You will not like it. Uh, you have to be in your room by midnight. Uh, the bars are going to be closed. We're going to arrest anybody walking down the street with a beer. This is not the place to come from spring break. So I think towns eventually decide that this is not what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. This has been a big crisis in Miami, though, like I said, for years. And I don't know what they're going to, well, they're going to put in curfew so you can't possibly have a good time. 
Uh, but hoping it's, it's that you won't come, hoping you'll leave and won't come back next year. Like right, I think what right. happens, Daytona Beach. I went to Daytona Beach for spring break after I was out of college because I couldn't afford it when I was in college and had a job. But anyway, um, the amount of destruction that I saw was shocking. I mean, I just was like mouth open. What? I had never been around anything like that where just every window was broken. I mean, just destruction like 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 it's Mariupol. I shouldn't be lighthearted about that. Yeah. And and I thought, how can the city possibly come out ahead on this? How does a hotel coming out ahead? Even if they got every room booked for, you know, three weeks that this is going on, there's no way that covers replacing every one of these light fixtures and lamps and everything in this hotel. Wow, that's funny. I never did one of those spring break vacations, so I, I wouldn't I it can't was attest. Crazy. If you're trying to have a good time, just come no matter what. And I and I know that Daytona Beach was big for years, and then they they clamped down and said no more, and they put in rules that would make it no fun, so people went other places, and it ends up being you know wherever, Fort Lauderdale yeah. or then Miami. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of crime, the uh, poop perp has been uh, apprehended in New York. Uh, the poop part of the story is disgusting and horrific, but the fact that this guy was let out to roam the streets is even worse. We'll get to that. Uh, plus the new Kamala Harris tape. Can I hear that again, please? It's yeah, so good. We could play that. Dropping, dropping some more wisdom bombs on you. Yes. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Yeah, you can't just keep saying the significance of the passage of time and expect it to get somehow more profound on its own or something. I don't know what you're hoping for, but... Boy, the lights are on, but nobody's home. (laughs) Talking about the significance of the passage of time. The significance of the passage of time. There is great significance to the passage of time, and there is such great significance to the passage of time. That's a good point. Yes, that's right. She said it four times in 20 seconds. What a numbskull. So I've been watching the evening newscast for the first time in 20 years, since 9-11 maybe. Like your network news, you mean? Yep, like ABC Evening News with David Muir. The NBC Mm. Evening News with Lester Holt. Because of uh, what's going on in Ukraine. And they have been, that has been their lead story, practically their only story, for the past three and a half weeks. Well, I noticed last night, to kick off a new week when I was on ABC, they didn't do Ukraine at the beginning. They teased something, but they did a Supreme Court person. They did a tornado in Texas. They did... Uh, Biden talking about uh, cyber threat, was ten, which is tangentially related, but they didn't get to the Ukraine stuff for nine minutes, and I thought, hmm, wonder if this is the direction media's already turned. Now, I switched over to NBC. They led with Ukraine and did their whole first half of the show Ukraine only, so I guess it's a, you know, it's a journalistic decision as to how much you're emphasizing what, but the reason I'm bringing this up is this is by far 
the most important story going on in the world. Certainly compared to, you know, Supreme Court justice is a big thing. She's going to get confirmed easily. There's going to be grandstanding by both sides. Whatever. That is not nuclear war that could change the planet forever, which is actually on the table right now. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. Here is from MSNBC this morning. Former Supreme Commander of NATO. Keep that in mind. He used to run NATO. And this is his opinion. We have underestimated the audacity of Vladimir Putin. And I think chemical weapons and obviously nuclear weapons are, in fact, a new escalation that will require even more dramatic response. I think that's the point where you begin to seriously think about a no-fly zone, a NATO no-fly zone, and you start to seriously think about a NATO peacekeeping force coming into the country. We're not there yet. Let's hope we don't get there because that confrontation head-to-head between Russia nuclear-armed, NATO nuclear-armed, is a confrontation we want to avoid. So uh, our military guy that we talk to all the time, Mike Lyons, who we love, he he says that's off the table. He, he told us, he said, I don't think uh, tactical nukes would be a red line um, for a no-fly zone. Certainly not chemical weapons. This guy, who used to run NATO, so I assume has got some idea of what NATO considers and doesn't consider a big deal mm-hmm. he didn't use the term red line but he might have he said if they used chemical weapons if they used tackler nukes that leaves us in a situation where we have to seriously consider a no-fly zone put in by nato and have to seriously consider troops on the ground nato troops on the ground in ukraine now everybody yeah. has told us that that is declaring war on russia so now all of a sudden you've got nato the united states at war with russia that sounds like it's pretty on the table to me. Well, it's absolutely on the table. It's just so difficult to say what the uh, this decision-making apparatus at NATO and within the individual countries that comprise it, uh, you know, how that will unfold. What will that look like? What will they actually decide when the uh, chemical weapons hit the fan? Uh, it's hard to predict. I don't know. I know Scarborough's take on it, and he knows something about domestic politics, was if tactical, if nukes got used in Ukraine, there'd be overwhelming support among Americans for us to get involved. That was his take. I don't know if that's you know, true or not, uh, but I, I could certainly believe it in Europe that nukes, you know, in their backyard is, okay, this is over. This is over. We are at war with Russia. I could easily see that happening. And once you go to war with Russia... Given what I've been saying, because I absolutely believe that Putin has got no way out. He is, he might as well shoot himself. He is done as a human being on the planet. There's no, like, going into exile or retiring or stepping down like he's um, Gorbachev or something like that. No way. He is Mm -hmm. done as a human. And so does he drop the big kind of nuke or not? I don't know. Okay, so here's the argument. Uh, it's it's pretty stark. Tell me if this is flawed. I think you're right about Putin being at a dead end. He's miscalculated horribly. There is no exit. There is no victory for him. So the argument, one argument is, therefore, don't do anything to escalate. Let that string play out because he is indeed doomed. So you think he either gets taken out or kills himself? <clears throat> I don't think he's going to kill himself. Um, but the one thing he might do is decide to take humanity with him because he's a megalomaniac. Yeah, that's what, and that's we've what, got to yeah. avoid that. Yeah, and like I said the other day, now this is grim, but that's a common story. 
the guy who's, you know, so pissed off at his work and his wife's leaving him and whatever and his whole world's falling apart. I'm going to take people with me. And it sometimes it's a wife and kids. Sometimes it's coworkers. Sometimes it's people in traffic, but people's need to like, I'm taking people down with me because my life is over, often because of my own bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Putin's in that exact same situation that we read about in the newspaper every damn week. He's in that exact situation, just like on a planet scale instead of his own workplace or family. Right. So the one point of view is you want to avoid that taking everybody down with him scenario if you can. And if we escalate, that makes it more likely. Now, of course, the other side of that is, uh, therefore, we have to put up with the slaughter of uh, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians, including children. Um, which is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I could claim this thought for my own, but I won't. It's from, uh, well, Al Anonymous. It's an email. Here's why I think there's a better than even chance Putin will use tactical nukes. We all know that fear of Putin using strategic nukes, i.e. blowing up a city in Europe or America, is what is restraining the West and the U.S. without uh, okay, the West and the U.S. Without strategic nukes, Putin would be toast. Does using tactical nukes, which if you're not familiar with it, it's it's little nukes. It's battlefield nuclear bombs. It's not city obliterating, but it's like neighborhood obliterating and, yeah. and beyond. Mike Lyons said <clears throat> six to ten square miles completely obliterated. That's a lot. So this uh, correspondent says, does using tactical nukes increase or decrease the fear that he may later use strategic nukes? Clearly, it increases the fear by showing it that he's willing to escalate and doesn't have a taboo against using nukes in general. So using tactical nukes may simply strengthen his strongest asset. That's an interesting bit of analysis from an emailer. Um, I'm not sure you're right, but I don't know that you're wrong. Right. Yes, Michael. Question for you guys. If he gave the order to do nukes, do you think his military would do it? That's or good. do you think that's where he gets killed? That's a good question right there. That is a very good question. Strategic nukes, the big nukes, I think there's a good chance his military would say, no way we're doing that. Well, even the The tactical stuff, I don't know. You still might have generals think, we cross this line, we start using nukes. You know, what I was just saying about European uh, attitudes toward this, he he might have people at high enough levels that realize Europe is going to freaking go badass crazy if we do this. We'll be at war with NATO the second we do this. And there have already been, what, six generals die? Um, I don't imagine the other generals really want to die. That twist in history, uh, hell, it might be the twist toward the end of human history, could come down to a single individual and a decision they make. Which has always been the biggest problem with the existence of nuclear power, is that one person has the ability to destroy the planet. Right, quite famously in the was it the sixties? I can't remember. There was a uh, the guy in charge of keeping an eyes uh, his eyes on the skies for the Soviet Union got the alert. There were five American missiles heading toward the Soviet Union, and it was time to retaliate. Um, and he thought this can't be. I just can't believe it's happening. I need to do some checking, and he did. And it turned out it was a malfunction. Um, and he more or less went outside what he was supposed to do. Yep, that's uh, happened I, another time, number of times on both ends. Mm-hmm. So it could be some uh, some colonel, captain, who knows, gets the order, hey, you know that uh, very special artillery shell we've been saving? You need to hit a Mariupol with it. And he, he either says, yes, sir, and he does it, 
or he thinks, I'm not going to be party to this, and he sends out like uh, an APB or the equivalent of it to everybody he can communicate with in the Russian military saying, the president has just ordered me to use a nuclear weapon. I'm not doing it. I don't think you should do it. We lay down our arms until this lunatic is out of power. And then he either becomes one of the great heroes of history or he takes a bullet in the back of the head five minutes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Dead Hand is the best book I've ever written about all the the near misses that have happened in the nuclear age. I'm sorry, you just claimed you wrote that book. Do you mean read or? <laughs> read. I did not write it. <laughs> It's hilarious. Um, there's one during the Carter administration where he gets w- woken up in the middle of the night and similar sort of thing where this can't be true. I mean, you're supposed to react to this information by, you know, starting. But but the, but the reaction on in the Soviet Union and the United States numerous times over decades has been, ah, I don't there's got to be something wrong here. Well, at some point, it's going to be true. Yeah. Of course, there is also the belief that you absorb that first hit, then make some decisions from there. Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Nobody knows any of this stuff. Everybody's guessing. Luckily, we have a senile old man making the final call. Well, and a half-witted aside to assist him. Right, and to help him make the decision, a freaking half-wit. Right, right. You know, I've woken up in the middle of the night with a dead hand, but here's the good news. You roll over, it'll be fine in about two minutes. So you got a crazy guy on one end of the equation, perhaps crazy. And desperate. Or driven to, you know, the pressures of, I have effed up so bad my life is over. My country is over. My empire is over. My traveling around the world and shaking hands with world leaders is over. Except for maybe China. Um, It's over. My military is over. My economy is over. People get that desperate, like I was just talking about earlier. They do all kinds of horrible things. So that's on one end. On the other hand, you got a senile old man. Well, that bad at care. You know, one further uh, thought in diagnosing Putin, and I think a lot of us, uh, you know, as you get older, you deal with your, your failures and successes. Uh, you realize at times that, you know, the way I saw myself is maybe not squaring with reality. And I need to either make some changes or reevaluate the way I see myself or whatever. Um Putin sees himself as one of the great leaders in Russian history, a towering historic figure. And uh, like others before him, if it turns out he is confronted with the fact that he was a miscalculating uh, fool and has brought not glory but ruin, that sort of psychic break can make people do crazy stuff. Absolutely. Like commanding tank battalions that don't exist, for instance. Absolutely. That's why I think the whole... uh you know, there, there's other news to follow, and it should be followed. I'm not excluding all news, but as far as the lead story in the world, I still say this is not its not even close, at least for the next couple of weeks. And maybe longer. I don't know how long he can continue to uh, prosecute this war that he's clearly losing. The so-called New York City subway poop perp has finally been apprehended. That's a bad nickname. Uh, can I get, can I get a new bad enough. No, anonymous phone call to the police? Can I get a new nickname? I'll, I'll turn myself in if you stop calling me that. I'll stop pooping if you stop calling me the. What am I being called? The poop maniac? The poop perp. The poop perp. <laughs> no, it sick enough. no, it wasn't that he was pooping. It's what he was doing with it. Oh boy, as it gets worse, the story gets worse. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll finish strong, I guess. Next. Armstrong and Getty. Tune to KBK News Radio. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. It made you lean in, as they say. <laughs> yes, we are discussing how geometry became especially interesting to me when I realized uh, when somebody pointed out, for instance, if you're ordering a pizza and the radius is blank, I was like, pizza? What? <laughs> yeah, my attention. I do enjoy my pizza. Mmm. So I can't decide whether I've lost my nerve to do this story. It's All right. just so unpleasant. Well, uh, maybe a little warning. We don't really do super coarse stuff because we're elegant. I mean, everybody describes <clears throat> us that way. I know I am. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be careful with this. This guy, 37-year-old Frank Abraqua, finally got jailed. He's he he assaulted a woman and did something just horrific and unspeakable to her. All right. Involving his poop. Prior to his arrest Saturday, Mr. Obraco had been free to roam the streets, having been released without bail in both a heinous February 21st attack on a Bronx subway and a separate hate crime charge in Brooklyn. The new mayor, Eric Adams, said it was a sign of a broken system and failing criminal justice laws. I want you to think about how many times you've heard about where the mass incarceration and how it's such a problem and it's systemic racism and the rest of it, and you know, regardless of what anybody looks like. The number of people who commit unspeakable act after unspeakable act and are still on the streets. We, we don't have too many people in jail. We don't have enough people in jail. I agree. But, Anyway, uh, this fella has a lengthy rap sheet with more than 20 arrests since 1999, God. including two other attacks on the transit system, both this year, in addition to those other ones we refer to, for which both of which he was released on supervised release. Uh, in the latest case, he's accused of barging into an office at a Harlem storage facility, assaulting a worker, uh, shattered a glass window with a dumbbell, according to a criminal complaint. Oh, da, da, da. Suspect returned the next day around 3.30 and said something like, if I don't get my refund by money, I'm going to come back here and catch a felony terrorizing the worker. This guy's just let out over and over and over again. No bail. Yeah. More people don't, in prison. Don't give away civilization. You're not going to like it. Check your clock. It's time to stop. Jack and Joe, they've got to go. And if they don't get canned, they'll be back tomorrow. That seems like the theme song if we were an 80s sitcom. That's what that seems like. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, the wacky next-door neighbor, the sassy wife, the wisecracking kids, and our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? We have been talking about pizza off the air and on the air, and I have the biggest hunger pains right now. Yeah. I, I gotta get pizza. Mm, love it. A young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, final thought? Well, Michael, you might just have to step into the newsroom. We have a whiteboard working down here with all the best local pizza places, and we're going to rank them on a scale of 1 to 10. Don't worry, breaking news coverage of that will continue after this. I'm going to check that out. I, we just got this. that Detroit is the number one pizza city in America now, according to a study. We'll have to talk about that tomorrow. Mm. Mm. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Speaking of eating, I hardly ate anything yesterday. My weight was down this morning. Previous days, I'd eaten a lot, and my weight had gone up. Now, I'm starting to see a correlation. I'm charting it on a graph. Mm-mm. I'll get back to you with any results. I'm not ready to commit to any, like, conclusions, but I'm seeing a trend. 
Wow, mix in a little exercise and really confuse yourself. Uh, my final thought, I'm going to cede to uh, my corresponding friend Jeff, who sends us a lot of great stuff for the show. It's an observation about higher ed overheard in Silicon Valley. The modern university is a political madrasa married to a trade school, married to a hedge fund, married to a sports team, married to an adult care daycare center, married to a visa and immigration law firm. Oh, that's really good. Each one of those, I thought the next one's not going to be as good, and it was as good. That yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll repeat that for you tomorrow. Listen in if you get a chance. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We've got a lot of good stuff for you. Hot links is all sorts of clicks. Things we've talked about. The articles, the videos, you name it. Uh, you can get some A&G swag, uh, a t-shirt, hoodie, whatever you like. Give it to your uh, favorite A&G fan. Email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If you have something we ought to be talking about or you want to register your opinion, again, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. And whatever is going on today, think I don't live in Ukraine. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Can we uh, get out of here, please? It's over! <laughs> oh, <No>. come on. <laughs> Just, no. I said bye. Get the hell out of here! Absolutely. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, I haven't said a word, so stop yelling at me. This is a perspective exam that our European allies share. It's 100 on the crazy meter. When it comes on for you to go, you have to go. So let's go out with a bang. And there is such great significance to the passage of time. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.